Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on the choice that Jesus and the Father made. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. I um <clears throat> it's a powerful time in worship today. <clears throat> I, I received a text message during worship, a word, and the word is windfall. Windfall. Uh a piece of unexpected good fortune, typically one that involves receiving a large amount of money. <laughs> but we know it's not all about money, right? Good fortune, favor, unexpected, might as well be me. I think it's awesome, an, uh, just a very literal, an apple or other fruit blown down from a tree or a bush by the wind. Just receive an apple or other fruit of the Spirit blown down to you by the wind unexpectedly this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful for the Maxie family this morning. I just, I really felt like during worship, the Lord was just saying, this is a, this is a defining moment. for the rest of your life and the lives of your family for generations. I know it's not about just this one thing, but this is a defining moment. Max, he took a little break and uh, they're back and I'm thankful. But during their break, I just feel there was an assignment to destroy your family and rewrite your story for generations in a, in a different light. And I think it's amazing this Sunday, um, such a defining moment. You guys don't know, last Sunday when they left service on their way home, they totaled their vehicle. And so when I'm hearing this morning, I'm alive I'm alive to sing. Not only spiritually are you alive to sing, but physically you're alive to sing. And Andy's alive to play the drums and so much more than singing and playing the drums, but they're alive. Their family is alive and will be alive for generations to come. In Jesus' name. I... um, I want to um let's see. Top three teams of invite fight at this point after last Sunday. 
This is my favorite. The leading team right now is, I call this the Trinity team. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every year we have invite fight. We're competing to invite the most people. Every year God wins. Doesn't he? Every year God wins. So that is people that came here last Sunday that said, no one told me, no one invited me. We were just drawn to be here. So God won again. So, Lord, we give you 750 points for last Sunday. Good job. Good job, Lord. And uh, uh, the Haler, Grenade, and Humbarger team, right up there with God, 730 points last Sunday. And the Beacocks, Deering, Grostuck, Brooks team, 390 points. And so that is where we are. And I just want to um, double down, double down on um, motivating you guys to unite your team, motivate your team, empower your team. It's not over. Um, We sent a message out this week. We were just kind of processing the guests from last week in our staff meeting. And I was like, you know what? We need to have, uh, uh, Pastor Just Lane was, you know, talking about how they're going to connect and follow up. And I was like, you know what? We need to give that to the teams and give them extra points. So you received message this week. So a lot of the follow-up, you have an opportunity to um, earn extra points. And so there's a way you could just win this thing in the last minute even. But there's two weeks left, and obviously the biggest thing is we want many people exposed to the presence of God as possible over these four weeks. We're just trying to have fun and be creative and motivating you to do that. But I just want to make an appeal, besides all the fun, besides all the trophies, whatever, like... If you call this place home and you believe in what God is doing here, then I ask that you, um, we don't use these words a lot, and I don't even want to use this exact word right now, but I'll use it because that's the strength of what I want to say right now. Would you submit to the vision of this house? Would you give yourself to the vision of this house over the next two more weeks? And would you work with us genuinely to do what we believe is in the heart of God to do over this four-week period? And, um, and you are, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful, but I just, if you're one that's on the outskirts, if you're one that's let this thing just kind of go by like we do sometimes, I just want to make an appeal to you to get on board. Get on board these next two weeks and partner with us and come alongside the vision and we would um, celebrate with you the work that God does. Amen?
I think there was something else I was going to say, housekeeping, but I don't remember now. So it's probably not important. Um, <clears throat> so the next three weeks, we're going we're gonna to jump in. I wanted to finish um, last Sunday with kind of this see right, say right uh, situation with our tongue. I had another thought this week, so let me just tag all of that with one more thought. I think it just was like just clarifying to me and simplifying to me, okay? My wife and I have a conversation often about communication. And there's times my wife will say, I told you that. And, you know, um, I probably should have went this route with this, this teaching. I should have said my children instead of my wife. Let's just go with, let's just change it right now. Let's rewind that. Sometimes I will tell my wife, I told you that. Look at that, that's even better. But that doesn't work because I'm the one that makes the next statement. So sometimes my kids, my wife, maybe even other people, my mom, I told you that. And I said, saying something into the wind does not constitute communicating said thing to a specific person where they can process that information in a way that can bring about the intended desired action by that person. You know, hey, pick that up. I told you, no, tell me, you know. So, has anybody ever said this to your children? Look at me. Okay. And you tell them, I want you to pick up all the clothes off your floor and do your laundry. And then has anybody said this? Now, say it back to me. Come on, this, I mean, this just in a nutshell, I think just wraps it up. Heaven wants to make sure you've heard what he says. And so he says, say it back to me. That's as simple as it is. I sent my son down across, like I said last week, it's null and void unless we believe. It happened, the opportunity's there, but we have to believe. And not only do we have to believe, we have to say it back to him. We solidify, I got it. I've heard. I am a sinner. You sent your son down across from me. I receive it. Believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth, and every other principle and every other element of the kingdom is just the same. I've healed you. I've delivered you. You've healed me. You've delivered me. <laughs> You've set me free. I'm the head and not the tail. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. I am set apart, right? Say it back to him. So he's communicating 
But the only thing that makes it communication is when the person hears it, receives it, and even what really solidifies it is when you will repeat it back to him. And so hear what the Lord says, receive it, repeat it back to him. All right, let's have a little bit of fun. Are you ready? Today, I've attempted to make all my jokes about preachers, pastors, or church. That way, no one can get offended. (laughs) They're not about women. They're not about men. They're not about blondes. They're not about brunettes. They're not about... All right? So, try to weed through all my jokes, all right? So, here we go. Sunday morning... The pastor noticed little Alex staring up at the large plaque that hung in the foyer of the church. The plaque was covered with names and and small American flags were mounted on either side of it. The seven-year-old had been staring at the plaque for some time, so the pastor walked up, stood beside him, and said quietly, good morning, Alex. Good morning, Pastor, replied the young man, still focused on the plaque. Pastor McGee, what is this? Alex asked. Well, son, it's a memorial to all the men and women who have died in the service. Soberly, they stood together, staring at the large plaque. Little Alex's voice was barely audible when he finally managed to ask, which one, the nine or 11 o'clock service? (laughs) The times were different, but I just changed them to fit our service times there. My dad used to tell this one all the time. Some of you probably heard it. A circuit riding preacher trained his horse to go when he said, praise the Lord, and to stop when he said, amen. The preacher mounted the horse and said, praise the Lord, and went for a ride in the nearby mountains. When he wanted to stop for lunch, By a mountain stream, he said, amen. He took off again saying, praise the Lord. The horse started getting a little bit faster and faster and the preacher noticed that they were headed towards a cliff. And when he started going towards the cliff, his training kind of went out of his mind and he just started saying, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. And right before the edge of the cliff, he remembered, amen, and the horse just stops. I'm talking about rocks are falling off the edge of the cliff. Preacher leans back in his seat, says, praise the Lord. (laughs) One more. I've got three more wife analogies I'm going to make in my sermon now. I've just added them. The Holy Spirit just gave them to me just now. Next week, all my wife, all my jokes will be wife jokes. Three boys were in the schoolyard bragging about their fathers. I can just see one of them being mine, okay? Let's say Josiah, okay? 
The first boy says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, then he calls it a poem, 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 say that with me, poem, and then he calls it a poem, and they give him $50. The second boy says, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song, and they give him $100. The third boy says, I got you both beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes eight people to collect all the money. No one's offended except my wife. I want to start today, over the next three weeks, leading up into Easter, um, just three topics, uh, the choice, the cross, and the life. The choice, the cross, and the life. How many people know that Easter starts, the celebration of Easter is a celebration of a choice. It's a celebration of a choice. It's not a celebration of a random act. It's not a celebration of an, of an act of necessity. It's not a celebration of some reaction or some just desperation on the part of heaven. It's a celebration of a choice. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, if you'll go there with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He chose us. I want to read this from the message. I love this. We're going to read a little bit more of the passage, but we're going to read from the message. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. 
Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is, it's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment of what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. So chronologically, before the foundations of the earth, before the earth was made, before man was created, God chose us. He chose us. He chose mankind. He chose humans. He created, he chose us and he set out a plan. And the only reason why anything was made was because he had already chosen us. I mean, there was no need for an earth without people on the earth. There was no need for creatures. There was no need for plants. There was no need for light. There was no need for dark. There was no need for rest. There was no need for anything except for people. So there was a choice, and because of the choice, there was an earth made. Gen Genesis 1, 26, 28, then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. What would they multiply? If you multiply, whatever the product is, is, oh my gosh, math terms, Liz. It's been a minute. Whatever the product is has to be, uh, it has to be a, a product of, what are these, factors? Yeah. So, Whatever you multiply, 
will never be something different than the factors that you multiplied to get the product. So if man was made in God's image, man and woman, then, and they're supposed to multiply, then there's supposed to be a whole bunch of God's images on the earth. So he chose to make man and multiply them, and then he created a world for them to live in and to subdue and to have dominion over. It was his choice. I mean, let's make man in our image. And at the same time, before the foundations of the world, there was a plan for redemption. Because he made man with choice, right? And we see in Genesis chapter three, if this is too basic for you, I'm sorry. But we see in Genesis chapter three that man made a choice. Man made a choice to believe the slanderer and the accuser about the heart of the one that created him. God just wants, is afraid that if you eat of that fruit, you'll be like him. He had to slander the heart of their father. I've said it before, I'll say it a hundred times. No one partakes of sin unless they've had the heart of their father slandered to them. There's nothing on this earth that looks appetizing or delightful or enticing compared to the heart of the Father and his intention for our life. So there's nothing outside of his will and his provision and his purpose that we would ever dare to touch unless we have questioned his heart and his intention and his choice, his choice. Can everybody just say, I am his choice. He chose me. Before the foundations of the world, he chose me. He chose you. And then he made us. He chose us before he made us. Jeremiah says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And that's when I chose you. Come on. God didn't stumble upon you when you were broke, busted, and disgusted and then thought, oh man, I've got to send Jesus to save them now and I've got to send him to die because of these gross, nasty people and they're sinful. He chose you. Before he formed you, God chose you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, I thought this might should be called choices. And I wanted to highlight all the choices that God has made and all the choices that Jesus had to make. 
and all the choices that we have to make. And I was kind of wrestling about whether to change it. And then I was like, no, they're all just one choice. It was just one choice. And the choice was you. He just never changed his mind. Like when we fell in the garden, he already made his choice. And our fall didn't change his mind. So he sent his son because he had already made a choice to adopt us and to call us his. He had already made his choice. Galatians 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I want to try to communicate this the best I can. And it's not online. This service isn't. But if someone took a 30-second clip, they could probably call me a heretic Danny, you and I talked about this hunting a few weeks ago. It's been stirring in me for a few weeks. And then this week we had a service for young adults and a team from Bethel was here ministering and just really led us in a time of, this may freak some people out, meditation and led us through some things to focus on and give our attention to in the kingdom. And we did that. And as they were kind of giving me things to look at and things to envision, and as I was doing that in obedience and opened myself to see and to hear what the Holy Spirit may want to say in that moment, I believe what they were trying to do was to get us to see the heart of the Father because they were describing the Father to us and helping us see him maybe differently. But they started with, see yourself as a small child. And then you're supposed to see the Father, look up and see him looking at you, reaching for you, all these things. It's amazing. Holy Spirit can use those things mightily. But I never got past see yourself as a small child. Because something happened when I saw myself as a small child. Like, there's some trauma in my life. There's some things that have happened in my life, and I don't know if that's why, but Johanna and I talk about it all the time. I don't have a lot of memories of childhood. But I got memories of childhood as I looked at myself as a small child. Not memories of things that happened, just memories of who I was in the heart of God. And through all of... My time of ministry, my time of serving the Lord, walking with the Lord throughout these years, 
I feel that I've always struggled at times and the accuser and the slander has been able to bring up things that I've done in my life and I have to wrestle through those things to decide if I'm qualified or even worthy to stand up or to even be a dad or to even be a husband or to, you know, I'm not talking about just doing ministry stuff. I'm just talking about not being a scum. Like, am I worthy not to just be a scum? If people knew everything, what would happen? Not only would I probably not be a pastor, I probably, my kids probably wouldn't respect me. Wife probably wouldn't love me. I mean, if people just knew everything. But I saw myself pre all those choices. Probably the only choices I'd made at that point was throwing macaroni off of my high chair. <laughs> but I saw myself completely innocent, completely pure. And I'm hoping that we approach Easter this year maybe a little different than we ever have before. And here's why. Back to my story. Going fit hunting with Danny and I'm driving there and I hear three songs in a row about the wretchedness of who we are. Three songs in a row. And, you know, but we're thankful. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You know, you know. And we really, I mean, those are, it's good, right? It's good to be thankful for the blood of Jesus, right? And I've always said we have to, we have to be mindful of our own depravity so we can know what he's rescued us from. But I believe, now this is the segment that if you just hear this one segment, you can, if you want to frame me as a heretic, you can do it right here. But I believe we have to have revelation of more than just what Jesus did and what his blood did to rescue us from our sins. I believe we have to have revelation of who we were in the heart of God before we ever sinned. And his blood restores us to the original intent and design of his heart. He's walking with a spiritual son yesterday. He said he was going to be here. I don't know if he's here or not. Struggle with addiction. Struggle with just, and with that comes so much self-hate, loathing, and Every conversation I have is, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I want to, and I'm like, and, and I just tried to break this down for him yesterday. I believe every conversation about how you're not going to try to be something or you're going to try to be something else is centered around 
just your 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 brokenness and your disgustingness and how much you want to change that because you hate who you are in that. And that's why I was telling us a few weeks ago, when we join in with the accuser and the slander and tell people how disgusting they are and think that's going to lead them to a place of freedom, it's not. It's going to solidify where they are. Even if we give them the hope that Jesus died to redeem you, I'm still disgusting and nasty and God felt sorry for me and killed his own son for me that makes me just this awful beggar, pauper, disgusting person and I'm, you know, just indebted and gross. I hope you can track with me through this today. But I think as we celebrate the cross and as we celebrate the resurrection, I want us to celebrate the heart of the Father behind all of that. And the choice that he made for us. See, he didn't come. I know that while we were sinners, he died for us. Yes, while we were sinners, he died for us because we were the fall happened before he died. But he chose to die for us because he was slain before the foundations of the world while we were still the apple of his eye and his perfect creation. Are you with me? You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're God's apple of his eye and his perfect creation that fell and then you became a sinner saved by grace to restore you to the apple of his eye. I'm thankful for the blood. But every time I think of the blood, I can't think of everything the blood covered or I'm going to constantly be in a place of just, I'm just disgusting, even though I'm so thankful he covered me. We've got to know how he sees us. We've got to see his heart for us. We're heirs and joint heirs, but that's not just because of the cross. Because we were heirs and joint heirs in the beginning. When he made us and created us in his image. That's the heart of the, see, we got to see the heart of the father when he was just chilling and had nothing to do and no worries and no cares and no, no, uh, uh, you know, just ungrateful little things running around. Yet he chose to make us in his image. That's who you are. You're the one he chose to make and breathe life into, give purpose to, that's who you are.
All the other stuff is just your wrong choice that you fail. But he sent his son to redeem who you are and to restore who you are. Jesus, the rest of the sermon, and we're about out of time, but Jesus made the same choice. It's one choice made by multiple entities. In the guard, I mean, he chose not to think, have this same mind you that was in Christ, who, although he was equal with God, chose not to grasp that and cling to that and hold to that, but he submitted himself to flesh and became man. Obedient even unto the point of death, the choice. <laughs> the choice. And he was in the garden and he said, Father, if there's any way, take this cup from me. He didn't make another choice in the garden. He just said, Nevertheless, if you don't change, if we hadn't changed our mind, I'm still in on the choice. I'm still in on your will, I'm still in on the plan that we made when we were up there talking and we decided that through me and by me, all things would be created and we made them in our image. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. Sweat like drops of blood, but I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm not backing up on our choice. I see them. I see them as they were. I see them even though they're driving nails in my hands. I see them how we saw them before we formed that Roman soldier in his mother's womb. I see him that way and I'm going forward with the choice that we made. So today, same choice. It's not God's choice, Jesus' choice, Holy Spirit's choice, our choice. It's one choice. Are we in on the same plan? God is in. Jesus is in. Holy Spirit is in. I see just like when you put your hands in as a team and you're ready to break, their hands are in. I would just go so far as to say, my hands are in on their hands for every person in this room. I believe every person in this room, you have purpose, you have potential, you have a plan. Before God formed you in his mother's womb, he knew you, he's got purpose for you. He came to restore you and redeem you to the original design. You're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, 
You once were a people, then you weren't a people. Let's don't forget that we were a people though. Come on. The fullness of the gospel, we were a people before we weren't a people. But now you are a people. Now you have received mercy. Prayer team, if you'll come. Everybody, you can stand with me this morning. That'd be good. We have our kids with us today, and they've been learning about prayer in kids' church. And so if any kids, we've, we've talked to them about this beforehand, if any of them want to and are willing, we've asked that kids come up and stand with one of these prayer team leaders, and they're going to pray with you with these prayer team today as we pray. Let's just make it real simple. Yeah. Let's just make it real simple. All of heaven has made a choice. And now the ball is in your court. What do you choose? Are you in on the same choice? Are you ready to make the choice that God made? Are you ready to make the choice that Jesus made? Are you ready to make the choice the Holy Spirit made? Are you ready to align yourself with the purposes of heaven for your life and say, man, I'm tired of making all the other choices. I want to make the one choice for the rest of my life to come into alignment with heaven to receive all of their choices and let it define the rest of my life. If that's you today, would you just come up and find one of these prayer team? Just come home to the plan. Come home to the purpose. Come home to the original design when he, before he formed you in your mother's womb. Just come down today. Surrender, submit. Just make the choice. The choice is simple. I received the choice you made for me. If there's anybody else, you can come down at any point in this time and pray. But everybody else, wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in your walk, we go from glory to glory to glory. Maybe some of you haven't, don't see yourself innocent. Maybe some of you don't see yourself pure. Maybe some of yourself only see yourself as a wretched sinner saved by grace. But you wanna see that God had plans and intention for you before you ever fell, before you ever messed up, before you ever, by one man through Adam, we failed and we sinned. But before that, he chose you made you in his image. I want to see myself that way. I want to see myself pure, holy. Would you come and just let someone pray with you today and agree with you today? That you would see yourself correctly. You would see yourself the way God sees you. Just as if you had never sinned. As far as the east is from the west, that's how he's removed your sin from you.
Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.